This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. The total Jew for me and you. Okay, this is an understatement to say that I am extremely excited and honored to be able to uh, create this introduction to the new podcast called Torah True, the Total Jew. Uh, the intention of this uh, relatively short uh, episode, is to give an introduction to what this is about, what I'm hoping to accomplish, and who I am, and why I started it, and all that general stuff that's uh, very important to set out at the beginning to show what, where we're headed, and what we hope to accomplish here. Um, and I hope that you will be as uh, ultimately as excited and, uh, and inspired by it uh, as I hope that you will be. At any rate, who am I, first of all? My name is Shai Gutman. Some people call me Reb Shai, some people call me Harab Shai Gutman, whatever, doesn't really matter. The point is that uh, I live here in Tzvas Ir HaKodesh, the holy city of Tzvat in Eretz Yisrael. It's a great uh, opportunity that uh, my wife and I dreamed about it for about 40 years before we finally got here. Brought up in uh, upper Midwest, United States, in Minneapolis to be exact, and um, we're living in Svas for the last eight years, and we'll go through all of our travels and uh, trials and tribulations. In, in, in short, we uh, spent quite a bit of time in New York uh, before coming to Israel about 18 years ago. We spent 10 years in Beit Shemesh, and uh, this past eight years in Svas, and uh, we're here. And uh, there's a lot to say about Svas. I hope to share with you little tidbits here and there as they're appropriate. And the next uh, question, of course, is, is what are we here for? Well, let's say first, who am I? What have I uh, done till now? Uh, let's not get to this particularly. I, I actually had my own um, graphic... Uh, commercial art firm in the States for about 30 years. I bought it to Israel also. And about uh, in 2016, so it's about six years ago, I uh, started my own nonprofit called Nakuda Institute. And that was intended to talk about uh, or in, and produce materials uh, in multimedia uh, about uh, some of the deeper aspects about uh, Jewish tradition and um, to appropriate to present them in an appropriate way that would bring out the true depth and uh, significance of those teachings. Uh, I have produced, uh, being a musician as well as a teacher, I produced uh, four... CDs, uh, plus the uh, DVD and book, a particular meditational method um, based on the tefillah of uh, 
Le'olam Yehei Udam, we say every morning. And uh, before Corona, I was uh, giving eight different classes and different subjects uh, every week here in Svaz. Uh, plus, uh, now that's down to three. Uh, one is on uh, Tillam with a Kabbalistic uh, explanation. And um, also the book, the Well of the, uh, of the Diaspora from the Maharal of Prague. And also the uh, Sefer Mo'arinayim from Nachman uh, Nachman Chernobyl. At any rate, um, I've been planning for years now, really, to find an appropriate uh, form of communication that I can give these uh, talks on a regular basis about relevant subjects. And it's taken me a couple of years to just figure out how to format that and how to... Uh, and, and, and what to base it upon. Um, so finally, I came to the breakthrough that I feel I've finally reached, which is uh, a very focused and uh, a very broad, but very uh, focused type of uh, subject, which I think will be able to bring everything together and really uh, provide for some very, very stimulating and inspiring content, which I hope that... Um, you will uh, enjoy and benefit from as much as I benefit from giving an over. At any rate, what is it exactly that we want to accomplish here? So I'll try to put it as uh, briefly and simply as possible. The fact is that in every generation, leaders of that generation, which certainly I'm not among, but um, you know, conscientious uh, contributor to the generation, uh, the, the very various generations, um, the leaders have, have tried to come up with ways of meeting the challenges and uh, innovating to some extent, trying to find, not to change things, but to find those aspects of, of Yiddishkeit that are relevant and uh, will be able to speak to the people of that particular generation and provide what they need in order to continue and to grow. We have Rav Shimshin Rav Hirsch of the 19th century in Germany, that he uh, saved Germany from uh, almost total assimilation by coming up with certain uh, certain approach, Toramada, whatever, it's, it's various uh, ways of, of dealing with the, with the uh, challenges that they, fe- they faced. Um, we've got the Balshemtov. I mean, before that, even the Balshemtov, who uh, met some of the challenges of Eastern Europe. The Rambam, going back and further, uh, with the Imor Nebuchim, uh, Guide to the Perplex, which he wrote to deal with some of the philosophical challenges that they faced in his generation. And in all these uh, are examples of, of things that really had not existed within uh, Yiddishkeit before they came on the scene, but they felt were uh, necessary in order to uh, uh, create a, a renaissance or to, to re-stimulate uh, things that were going uh, sour, things that, that uh, uh, challenges that were causing things to um, go downhill. And they wanted to reverse that trend and uh, to uh, 
bring Yiddishkeit back into its uh, former glory. And uh, to a great extent, they, they did accomplish a great deal. And they faced a fair amount of resistance because of some of the innovations involved, which I'm not really uh, planning to do here, but I do want to uh, bring out some of the things that, uh, that uh, I feel that people will, will benefit from, even if they're not uh, being emphasized today. I think it's largely a question of emphasis because the Torah itself is so vast and so uh, multifaceted and it includes mamish everything. And that's really the point of, uh, of this whole uh, series of, of uh, discussions that I want to have here is, is that the Torah really is 100%. It, it covers everything. And the problem is when people don't appreciate just how vast it is and get into a certain um, narrow-mindedness about what Torah is and how much it encompasses, that they just lose so much of the total picture <clears throat> that they either don't know exists or they don't know, they don't feel it's relative, re- relevant to them and they don't uh, feel like they can um, activi- act- activate and energize all those aspects of Torah that uh, they may or may not really you know, what they're, know what they're about. Uh, there are things that the educational system just does not really cover to the extent that they should be. And the, the very fact that we're going to talk about just what is the mindset, what is the uh, outlook of Torah in terms of what life is and how Torah is uh, something that energizes that life on all, on all levels. Um, and we'll talk about just a few of those today. It's, it's, a, it's a, again, a huge subject and uh, just, you know, start hacking away at it little by little. But we have to get, you know, kind of the general picture to see what's really involved here. First of all, the Torah has a certain concept of life itself. What is life? And how is it broken down? And it has a very, very systematic way of looking at all of these, uh, all the different aspects of life, and therefore how important it is to cover all of those aspects. Torah doesn't leave anything out. One of the places we see this the most is the fact that the Torah is broken down to, into the 365 uh, negative mitzvahs and the 248 positive mitzvahs, and those are compared to or, or are, are identified as corresponding to the body itself, which includes the, uh, it's, it's talked about the 248 limbs and the 365 uh, arteries or whatever you want to call them, gidim. And the, the fact is that what that shows is, is that it's a total, it's a totality, it's a total organism. It's something that, that acts as one body. It's all, it's all absolutely necessary. I'm just like the body has to have all of its parts. Uh, it, 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 it's, it's missing its shlemus, its completeness. It doesn't have all of those parts. And all of the parts are, are there for a reason. And they all go to make up the totality of the person. In the same sense, the Torah is 
one totality and it acts as one organism. So if you leave anything out, you're missing something. There's something that's supposed to be there that isn't, and that's a big problem. Uh, we talk about the totality of the Jewish people as a whole, and that the Torah couldn't be given to begin with without the whole 600,000 uh, fushas that had to be there, those souls that had to be there. So the idea is that the Torah itself is a total, complete thing. It can't be... Uh, you can't cut something out of it and expect it to be on the level of completeness that it was intended to be. Um, so that's a very, very important conscience to have. And besides that, Chazal, our sages, have given us all kinds of other ways of breaking down life and showing the way that things correspond one to another so that there's links and there's a, 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 a connection between different aspects of life. And the Torah gives us the way to relate to life on all of those dimensions and make those connections, which otherwise are kind of at loose ends and sometimes never connect at all. Besides which... Yiddishkeit itself, Judaism as a whole, has so many different aspects of it that they are also interconnected among themselves. We have a very broad uh, category, uh, for example, of what we call nigla and nister, the, the revealed parts of Torah and the hidden parts of Torah. Talking, you know, mysticism as opposed to, let's say, halacha, you know, Jewish law, which is a, you know, a legal uh, aspect of um, directing us in terms of behavior. And then we have this whole mystical world, which is uh, directing us in terms of, um, of, how we, uh, of how we think about it and how we meditate upon it and how we, how we envision it and all these things that are more going on in, on, the, on the soul level and are not so uh, easily quantifiable, but there's a whole structure to that as well. And those things are organized according to the same um, the same divisions as the Torah itself. I mean, you've got the Zoyar, which is the basis for much of the, of the mystical content, uh, is based on Parshish of the Torah, of the, of the Tanakh, uh, which is the same thing that Halacha is based on. It's also organized according to the Parshish of the Tanakh. The, the original, uh, most of the original Halachas form were written in the order of the, of the uh, 613 uh, mitzvahs of the Torah. And uh, that's the way they were, they were organized, and that was learned according to their connection with the parsha. So there we have, on a, a base level, something that could be, uh, we have with this concept of machshavet dibra maisa. You've got the thought level, and you've got the, the speech level, it's talking about communication, and the, the um, deed level, which is concrete action. So everything that we do has to exist on all three of those levels. And the Torah has to give us guidance as to how to do those on all three levels. And then go as deep as we possibly can in each of these levels. For example, so if you have a particular mitzvah, something that you have to do, let's say you have to put on tefillin or uh, keep kashus or something. So, so there's one aspect of the Torah that's telling us, uh, for example, kashus. Okay? So then we keep kosher. So kashus is... is, is the aspect of determining exactly uh, what we're allowed to eat and what we're not, which is, goes according to specific rules. 
it can also uh, encompass uh, the concept of shecht, you know, how do you slaughter meat so that it should be kosher and can be eaten, eaten and all the various uh, uh, complex uh, laws regarding, regarding kashas. But there's another aspect of kashas, is the whole, all the other aspects of eating, according to Yiddishkeit. Yiddishkeit teaches us how to eat and what kind of attitudes to have towards eating and what to think about what we're eating and what are the kavonis, what are the, what's going on in our heads when we're eating and why do we eat and when do we eat and all this kind of thing. So it's not just specifically what we're allowed to eat and what we're not allowed to eat. We're supposed to know, if we have to, we have to make brochus, we have to, you know, to, to, to make a blessing on the food in order to eat it and then why do we make those brochus and what do we have in mind when we're, when we're reciting those brochus and how do we connect to the food itself. There's all kinds, there's a whole world of, of, uh, Aspects of, of Torah which are dealing with the whole issue of eating, which go beyond just the specific law associated with what is kosher to eat and what is not according to kosher to eat, and, and of course, and how, when can they be eaten in terms of the, the juxtaposition of, of uh, milk and fleshic, of, of, of dairy and, and, and meat, and all this kind of thing. So it's a very, very broad subject, and everything in Torah is like that. So, and it encompasses every aspect of life, it encompasses everything we do and everything and how we talk and what we talk about and what we think about and what we meditate on and what do we and, and our attitudes towards those things. And it even affects things like what we call tikkunamidus, which is based also on a very deep concept of, uh, of, of uh, the midus, which refer to the spheres, which goes very deep into Kabbalah also. And that's talking about emotions. That's talking about emotional health and how we how we, we uh, respond to our emotions and how we direct our emotions, which is dealt with both in Hasidus, for example, Hasidic teachings, and it's also Musr, which, is, uh, which was you know, basically developed as a, as a response to, to Hasidus to a large extent. All of these things are, are on all different levels, and the Torah, again, breaks down what those levels are. So you also have, for example... Um, the three basic parameters on which the world is based altogether, which is which is oilam shana nefesh, goes back to the sacred Sira, one of the uh, ancient uh, mystical mystical texts, which is talking about space, time, and soul. The soul being the individual, and you know his, his neshama, what, what's going on on a, on a, on a, on a soul level, which gives, what's, gives what, what gives the whole spiritual dimension to the world itself. And also in terms of what we do with time and space. So that encompasses also everything. But the Torah, again, is telling us what do we do with time and space and soul. What is the soul doing in real time in the particular space wherever he or she is? And what to do with, with that, that matrix of knowing where we are and, and, and when we are and who we are. So that's, again, a very, very basic thing which Torah is specifically dealing with. And without knowing how we, uh, where, you know, where and when and, and who, we can't exist within the world as a whole. So these things are dealt with. And the Torah is talking about them all the time. And if we are not aware of what the Torah says about these things and what the Torah, how the Torah is directing us in these different ways. And of course, you know, there are many different approaches, many different opinions, and 
and there are many different discussions, but it's dealing with these subjects. So being a total Jew, we talk about, the idea of totality as a Jew, the idea of shlemus, of, of a completeness as a Jew, is dealing with all of these different areas. So it's 24-7. It's all the time, and there's a different time. It's anywhere in the world where you are. And of course, there's a structure to that as well, which, which areas are, are more holier areas, and which, one are, which ones are, are, are further from the source and are closer to the source and, and, and what they all represent. And, and, of course, who we are in terms of where we stand in, the, in, in Kalali's soul, in terms of the, 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 the totality of the Jewish, Jewish people, and where the Jewish people stands in, in the totality of the nations of the world. So, in short, Kitzer, to be aware of, of how to really see our existence as a whole from a Torah perspective, and what to do with it from the way that the Torah wants us with the Torah, because Hashem is the one that is you know, behind all of this, and he is telling us how we can, you know, what, what he wants from us, and what our destiny is, and what our purpose is, and how we can relate to him, which is what the Torah is really here to do, is to, to bring him into the world, and to, give us, and, and to create a connection with him, and to to establish a relationship with him. All of these things is what the Torah is doing. So the Torah is saying, you know, it's showing us how to use every aspect of life in this all-encompassing, uh, lifelong uh, quest and challenge to make our lives into something which is what they were intended and what created for to begin with, which Hashem has revealed to us through the Torah. anything less than that is push it not doing justice to what we've been given and that's a very very serious thing because if we're you know we get this life to do with it what it was intended to be what it was, was fashioned for what it was designed for what it was what it's here it's here for and this is our chance to use it out for what it was intended for and if we simply use it to, uh, to fulfill our obligations and to get away with the minimum or just try to preserve things in kind of a defensive way as opposed to building and expanding and, and flourishing and growing and doing all the things that it was really intended to do, then how can we really think of ourselves as being doing here what Hashem, you know, what our creator put it here to do. So that's one aspect of it. It's simply, and what, what, I'm, what I'm trying to do with this entire series is to look specifically at how the Torah sets up the world, how it shows us the structure of the world, how it, 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 or, it orders and, and uh, shows us the framework on which the Torah was created, and then how the Torah tells us to 
exists within that structure and maximize it and energize it and realize it and use it for, again, to create the world and ourselves in the way that Hashem created it to begin with, to do. And that's, that's, the, that's the tally of our wisdom that Hashem you know, gave us this tremendous gift and the tremendous treasure of the Torah because he, he actually revealed to us things, a, a, a wisdom and a system that was not revealed to other nations of the world. And, uh, you know, it's up to us to take advantage of that. And, that, you know, and it, it goes so far beyond just the observance of halacha itself. That's like the minimum, that's like the, 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 the outward uh, manifestation of everything else. But it's not it by any, you know, any uh, shape or form intended to be, to, to, to stop at that. Like, that's enough, and just do what you're supposed to do, and that's good enough. It's not. It's not even scratching the surface of what we're intended to do here. Um, the other thing is that every generation has to deal, as I said before, every generation has to deal with its own challenges. And certainly our generation has a lot of challenges that uh, were never really serious challenges before. And now, within, you know, I mean, you could say within the last few hundred years, but we could say even within the past uh, 50 years, uh, there's a lot going on that we didn't really have to deal with in, in, in previous generations. Um, for one thing, one very, very basic uh, change that's taken place over the last 100 years, let's say, is, is the prevalence of people that are not, uh, don't have any connection to religion at all. Um, idealistically, ideologically, that's come out very much in terms of of course, the communist uh, politics, you know, materialism, and uh, the, the, uh, the growth of science and academics, which also tends to look down on religion, um, and uh, scientific uh, atheism, uh, you know, proponents of that, that, uh, that system of thought. There's a lot of anti-religious feeling in the world as a whole. So that is uh, something that everyone has to deal with, especially the more you're involved in the secular educational system. Um, that's, it's, it's almost assumed that you don't take religious, religion seriously. Um, so that's, it's, it's something that anyone that's involved in the world feels very strongly. There's also the tremendous growth, and probably you know, going along with that is the tremendous growth of, of immorality, the breakdown of any kind of moral structure. Uh, in societies, in, in, in general, again, talking about you know Western secular society, um, standards of modesty and standards of, of, of behavior. Now we're going through all these uh, challenges of of, of, uh, of uh, uh, genders, gender confusion, gender redefinitions, which goes to the core of, of life as a whole. It's talking about family structures and all these kinds of things that are that that are. Uh, major breakdowns in, in society as a whole and the whole, the whole challenges to the, the educational uh, structure. These are big, big changes that are going on, you know, relatively recently that these kinds of things are, uh, it's kind of things that we've always assumed throughout uh, history and the history of humanity as a whole, not just the Jews, uh, are, are being questioned and broken down and, and uh, uh, the definition of what, what is marriage uh, all, all kinds of things that that, um, that go to the core of what religion is about, and what Yiddishkeit is about, and what what uh, what society as a whole is about. So that's that's one thing. 
Um, there's also the, a, tr a tremendous um, change in lifestyle and all of the technological uh, changes. Uh, sometimes I don't know whether to call them advances or not, but certainly uh, changes in the way we spend our time and the way we uh, you know, use our, our energies and what kind of things we uh, consider important, our priorities, um, like you know, with this pandemic stuff, we, we get all these kind of challenges to, to, to the whole social, social structure and how we relate to each other and how we communicate with each other. There's just so many changes on so many levels that to ignore these things and think that we can simply use the same pad answers that we've used in the last few hundred years and expect to get away with that, it's, I don't think uh, that's very realistic in, in most cases. There, there are things that are really affecting us um, uh, on a very deep level, and they have to be dealt with as well. And we have to have a, a very robust and, I would say, really a very bold approach. There's also an aspect that um, has to do with the way we are viewed in society. For example, I mean, one problem has been the, the, uh, uh, the rise in anti-Semitism in many areas, but there's, on the other hand, there's, uh, we're in a much, much different situation than we were, let's say, uh, in, in the early part of the, of the last century, uh, say before the Second World War, where Jews were, uh, were very involved in, in, in a tremendous amount of assimilation, uh, not so much because they didn't know better, but because they were so insecure that they felt that they, uh, that they had to give in to the prevailing culture or you know, values or whatever in, in wherever they, they came to. Also, they were you know, often, often uh, uh, displaced from, from where they grew up and where they were secure, and they came into a totally un unfamiliar uh, environment. And uh, a lot of the ways that they, uh, that they were dealt with that insecurity was to, uh, to assimilate. But... Uh, going through the latter part of the, of the 20th century and you know, the first part of the 21st century, there has not, you don't really have that, that excuse of trying to assimilate. Because first of all, assimilating, assimilation doesn't help that much. Second of all, assimilation doesn't get to the core of the problem. And third of all, Jews are a lot more secure in where they are, and they, can, they are able to assert themselves and assert who they are without uh, being so worried about being... Uh, being persecuted for it, so therefore, the where we're coming from is is, is in a much is a, a much different place than we were 100 years ago. So the same kind of answers and the same kinds of, of pressures simply don't exist. They, I'm saying I'm not saying pressures don't exist. I'm just saying that they're different pressures than what, the way that we had them 100 years ago. So you can't keep using the same answers. The, this, it's a it's a flowing dynamic process to look into Yiddishkeit, not to change Yiddishkeit, but to look into Yiddishkeit for, for answers and for approaches which may be different today than the way they were uh, you know, years in the past. So basically, that, I think that gives you an idea of what we're looking to do here. And of course, I, want, I would much appreciate any feedback that I can get from you in terms of what you would like to hear about and how you... Uh, respond to some of these issues that I'm talking about. Um, and, of course, the more interaction we can have on this, uh, the better. Um, I have a website at uh, nekuda, N-E-K-U-D-A-H, org, where you can see a lot of the stuff that I've done in terms of uh, various uh, graphic things I've done and, and, and some music I've done and, uh, 
and some articles and, 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 uh, and videos. Of, and I've, I have recorded uh, a great many shirim that I hope to be putting up uh, soon, and hopefully we'll have various forms of interaction between us. Um, and uh, what I want to say is that that um, these as we get deeper into these issues, we'll be calling upon sources which may not be so well-known to a lot of people. They're not the typical sources that are, are brought down, but they very often have very innovative um, approaches to certain subjects that we, can, uh, that, that we can derive tremendous insight from. I mean, example, for example, I, I give this... For several years now, we've been working on uh, the Sefer Be'er HaGoyle from the Maharal of Prague. Maharal of Prague was extremely aware. Uh, he was living in a very um, uh, you know, renaissance in, in Prague, was a center of intellectual activity, and he was you know, in contact with some of the major scientific minds of his, of his generation. And he wrote the Sefer... Um, to a large extent, I mean, the, the, I mean, the whole purpose of the Sefer actually is to respond to uh, challenges of non-Jews to the Torah and and to the to, to, to Talmudic scholarship and things that you know how to respond to their tainus, to their their uh, claims that the that, that the, uh, the sages didn't know what they're talking about. Um, they simply and what he was showing is they simply didn't understand the language. Of Chazal, of, of, of the sages, how how they they expressed their perspective, and that in, in a, indeed the way they they handle these issues that they're talking about is much deeper than how the non-Jews or the, the secular scholars or, or, or the religious scholars, or whatever, were dealing with them. But they just weren't, weren't appreciated. People didn't go deep enough to you know to delve deep enough to understand what they were really saying. So one of the big areas here is uh, science. Science is his time, and there was, there was science in his time as well, much from a different perspective. But the, the, the same idea of taking uh, material, the material world seriously and looking at trying to explain uh, scientific or physical material phenomenon from a material perspective, and assuming that that is the way that we understand them, and that's the way we we uh, the wisdom that's that's attached to them, uh, the intellectual um, uh, intellectual uh, growth of studying these things is based on understanding how things work from a material perspective. And what he's showing is that the, that the rabbanim looked also in a very deep way at physical phenomena and things in nature, but explain them from a much deeper uh, spiritual perspective. So his, his ap- whole approach to the subject of, of the way that Hazal dealt with nature is on a whole different level and, and brings our understanding of what they were saying to a, to a whole different level. That has to be uh, that for, for a, a generation such as ours, which is so involved in, in trying to understand the scientific world. Um, and the scientific world itself has become such an authority that if we don't understand how the chasal is dealing with science, then we don't, you know, we're, we're, we're cutting ourselves off from a tremendous, tremendous amount of, of knowledge that is specifically needed today. Uh, that's true of psychology, that's true of, of, uh, of, of 
you know, medicine, any of those areas which Chazal were, were very much involved with, and certainly in their own way were dealing with it on a very deep level. Uh, so we have to look into our sources in a deeper way, and we have to get a, a, a greater exposure to a wider variety of those sources. For example, you know, we talk about Kabbalah. So Kabbalah itself is, for those very few that, that choose to study it, is usually relegated to the Arizal. Now, of course, Arizal was a giant and revealed a tremendous amount of information that, that uh, we didn't have before that. The fact is that there are other, other giants of Kabbalah that came much way, way before that. You know, we're talking about, about uh, people that most people haven't heard of, Moshe de Leon or, or uh, Avrum ben Shentov or you know, different, different people that, that, that uh, were circulated at the time of the, uh, of the, of the Rashba, you know, like 700 years ago, or at the time of the Ramban, Jictilia, uh, you're talking about various names that are not common that people know, even Moshe Kodaveo, the Ramak, who directly preceded the Arizal, and people don't study him to the extent that they should. So a lot of these things are, are extremely relevant to us. They, they view Kabbalah itself from a bit of a different angle than it's usually presented. And, uh, and, and so many Jews are not aware of that. Plus, so many Jews don't understand why Kabbalah is important, how it, 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 it interacts and, and connects with, with uh, the, the, the Gemura and the, and, the, and, and the Halacha that's studied on a regular basis. And they don't, they don't make these connections. Plus, there's all of these cultural things like music and, and, uh, and, and uh, you know, how we deal with food again and how we deal with clothing and, and all of these different things that are parts of our lives that are have Jewish... There's, there's Jewish implications and Jewish uh, sources for these things and Jewish uh, uh, connections for these things that people, again, they don't understand. So if they don't understand how we deal with them and what's the Jewish way of dealing with these things, then, then inevitably they default to a non-Jewish, secular, or even you know, specifically belonging to a different culture that they take these things on simply out of ignorance of what our culture is and why it's important. So all of these things, because all these things are, are intertwined and they're all part of establishing that totality. There's no reason why we have to be singing non-Jewish songs if we have our own. You know, why should we be going to their cultures in, in, if, if we have such a rich culture of our own and, and that's so intertwined and unified with all the other aspects of, of, our, uh, of, of, of our Torah, which is the basis for our lives. So once a person becomes committed to, uh, to understand that Torah is the basis for everything, and I'm not showing everybody, I'm not, I'm not uh, pretending that everyone has come to that level, but once a person is opening up, let's say, or just beginning to open up to that idea, or they've lived with it all their lives, they have to, they're, they're obligated to themselves, let alone to Hashem, that we have to get involved with the, with the whole picture and get, get, to be able to, to get away from all of the, the fears and, and, uh, and suspicions and uh, insecurities about really relying on Toyo for everything. Uh, and, and there's a lot of that going on as well. So I, this is just touching on the basis of what the idea is for this, for this series and what I want to explore in this series. And I think it's much a, a, it is an exploration. It's a discovery process to go into life as a whole and the Torah as a whole and how the Torah confronts life and specifically life the way we experience it today 
in our societies and in, in our, with all the struggles and the, and, the, and the challenges that we've had. And we've seen a tremendous amount of growth, I think, over the last uh, 50 years. It's uh, taken us in many different new directions. Uh, and we have to follow through with those things and, uh, and become totally, as I say, maximized and energized and, and realized uh, in, in all, all aspects uh, to bring this as much into our lives as possible.